Osiris. Hey, this is Brendan from Umphreys McGee. This podcast is part of the Osiris podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and of course, lots of music. Osiris works in partnership with Relics Magazine. Osiris. Inside Out with Turner and Seth, and we have a special, special checking in episode. Which is our new things check ins. Uh, this is becoming a new thing, Rob. Huh? Yeah, I guess folks like to debut their tracks, and and talk is no different. They have their new Space Shifter Two Outbreak, which is coming out September twenty eighth, and is a follow up to their EP Space Shifter One that was released earlier this year. And to talk about it is their keyboard ace. Mr. Alric A.C. Carter. Welcome. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, well, that's a deep, long question. So my weekend... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Where are you talking to us from? I am talking to you guys from Long Island. Excellent. That's where you guys met. Three of you met in grade school, right? You, Charlie, the bassist, and I, and right. um, Matt, the guitarist, met... Exactly. In grade school, right? Seventh grade, was it? Sixth grade, nineteen ninety nine. Well, they played a talent show, crushed, and then oh yeah, uh, we did. We we killed the talent show, and then went on, f- found Isaac. Isaac had to alter his style a little bit, and then we had talk. Isn't that correct? Uh, that's uh, yes, the um, Spark Notes version. Yeah, for sure. And we'll have you guys on for a more elaborate interview in the future, but we really want to focus on the new CD because you've been kind enough to allow us to debut the track Pitter Pattern. The CD as a whole is a, sort of a caution-laced celebration of artificial intelligence. Would you agree with that? I think that's a good way of putting it, yeah. Which kind of goes hand-in-hand with Robert Walter's sci-fi thing, yeah. album, which that's kind of interesting. It is. It's an interesting dovetail. Basically, they it kind of cre- seems... Yeah, it kind of seems like sci-fi and the uh, AI thing has kind of been a, a theme. I guess it's on everyone's mind. Well, you sort of created a being in part one with the EP, right? And now the being is breaking out and becoming something that, you know, really shouldn't be ignored anymore. Right, and everyone should be a little bit concerned. You know, you don't even know if it's with us or, you know, somewhere. It's, it's, it's definitely out there and uh, disguised, so we should all be aware. <laughs> So while you were recording this, you were living in a house in Long Island. And, and you know, Seth, I love this. I love when the artists go and hold themselves up. And I love to know how that influenced. You, you describe it as the Jumanji house meets Adam's family meets Amityville Horror. Or one of you did. I don't know if you specifically did. But can you tell us about what your experience was like in that house and how that has informed the music that you're releasing here? 
it was completely random. Um, we uh, were looking for a space to record, and normally we go to L.A. The, our producer we work with, Robert Carranza, has a studio space out there um, at Brushfire Records. Um, but this time we wanted to do something a little bit different. We finished uh, our fall tour last year, and we needed to jump right into pre-pro- um, uh, pre-production and our our we came across this house. It was about to be renovated, but no one's lived in this house since, like, I don't know, the 50s. And it's really old. Like, the wallpaper is falling off. The, ce- the paint's falling off the ceiling and suspended. Wow. Um, Real very quick, creepy. How'd you come across it? Um, a buddy of ours, their family had acquired this house, and then they were going to renovate it. Um, but we convinced them to let us in. Um, and it was like, why don't you hold off on the renovations? Give us like two, three months. Let's, uh, work our magic. And, um, that's exactly what happened. So no one was living in this house for like 40 years, you know? All um, right. So, so let's just be honest here. That's the, that's the after story. The real story is you guys were squatting. <laughs> it's, yeah. your, it's your house now. We're, we're actually squatting. To be honest, there's no, uh, the first, the first month, there's no running water. So we all had to hop in our cars to go take poops. Uh, ew, you, you know. pooped in your car? <laughs> no, no, no pooping no, in the car. Yeah, you get to know we the local to coffee shops. <laughs> yeah, no coffee for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was cool, man. It, 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 you went in the basement. There's these old newspaper clippings from 1951. Oh, One said, "All the cool doc, like uh, the coolest doctors, smoke camel lights." You know, <laughs> goes way back. But it had a vibe, and we. Uh, we wanted to, you know, stay there and do everything. It's the first time we've done pre-production, um, recorded um, pretty much both records at the same time, and then uh, did all overdubs as well in one spot. So it was really nice to be in one place where you can actually really focus. You're not trying to recreate something that you made in L.A. or at a different studio. It's all there. You're and our Robert was in it too with us, which was great. So he was definitely, uh, you know, he came to play ball, and um, yeah, and that's and that's what we have: shapeshifter one, shapeshifter two. Now Robert's done all your work, it's, and he has worked with Ozo Motley, who's our current episode, and of course Mars Volta. I think he's most famous for. Um, yeah. Is- is he helping you select material? Is he giving you advice in the material? Like I notice in this track that we have, there's some stop starts. Sometimes the, that can be a producer's idea. Hey, let's just stop here and then start up again rather than what, what were some well, of the significant changes he made to your compositions? What's cool about Robert is that we we both have an idea, um, both meaning the band and, and him. We have an idea of what we want to do and you know how we want to um, – have these records over the you know over the, these past few years develop um, and become more something more you know we want to grow on what we've been building and what Robert's really great at is allowing us to be ourselves. Um, Robert's not the kind of producer who necessarily like will write and sit at an instrument and write a part. Um, he's the kind of producer uh, that takes a snapshot of where we are and who we are at that particular moment of time. Um, and try to take the best photo of what you know or who we are you know um and there's not too much photoshop per se um he likes to do it and leave it pretty raw um and, and which is actually nice because uh there's a few tracks or a bunch of sections on this record where we've actually just used 
like the first take or just a whole take because it had a vibe on it. And that was something that um, we really look forward to is taking more risks with him, knowing that he has our back for him. You know, we'll ask him like, Hey, does this feel good? Does this sound good? And he'll be brutally honest. And he'd let us know like, no, you guys suck or (laughs) (laughs) that's money. Um, So that's one thing that, uh, we're happy to have him on board for. I mean, for me personally, having to create a lot of the soundscapes, um, that's kind of my responsibility as a keyboard player. Uh, he was very helpful in trying to balance that and help those sounds become uh, much more appreciated, not necessarily random, how it comes out in the mix so the tracks breathe and have life to them. Um, so that was something that was really, really great to have his perspective on. So looking at the uh, the musicians uh, here bringing in the music, um, how much of the music is, is coming from one source or is everyone bringing in to, there's different ideas there? Even if no one's bringing in a, a song, that's 100% um, you know, theirs. Like I can bring in a song and as much as I want to have it be completely mine or you know, just finished, bringing a completely finished song, it has to touch everybody's hands and when it does it changes it's something that morphs it shapeshifts if you will um and that's something that's really awesome uh, about the dynamic that we have um and uh yeah and i think this record was really cool because i think everybody contributed equally as far as bringing initial ideas and that was something that was uh, really great. Uh, Charlie has our bass player. I think he has around three tunes that he brought in. Uh, Matt and my, myself always write. Isaac has two songs, I believe, that he brought in, too. So it's always, like, collective. You know, it's always a collective effort. And I think that's when we write and bring forth our best material. And I feel really confident about where Shapeshifter 2 has gone um, in that regard. And not only do you have Nate Worth, who's worked with Snarky Puppy, but while this sound definitely has very much of a talk sound and you have your own sound, there are moments where you sound a little like Snarky Puppy on this release. Is is there a little is there that that was Seth's pointed that out. I don't want to Seth is glaring at me, but there is some some strains of Snarky Puppy in there. Is that is that um, by design? Do you you feel like there's an influence there? I mean, we love Snarky Puppy for sure, um, but I think we set out to be our own band and have our own sound. Sure. Uh, Having Nate Worth, having a member of that, who's an integral um, piece of that band. Um, And that's that's a testament to Nate. It's like, as a percussion player, you want to be cohesive with the drummer to the point where people don't really realize that you are a part of, you're contributing, unless it's something, uh, specific instruments that strike your ear. Um, So that was great. Nate came in hyper-prepared and um, was able to conform and fit in to what we were hearing and what we were trying to create. So that was awesome. Um, we were lucky enough to have uh, the Naughty Horns. Um, they're from this band called the Naughty Professor, um, and they're out of New Orleans. These guys are kind of like uh, almost similar to a band that we really love, uh, Kneebody, where they're able to create really cool angular compositions their arrangements are different um they're not like your 
you know, you're, they're not like your cheesy kind of horns. These guys can play. They actually just finished two nights at the Blue Note during the late night nice. in New York City, which is awesome. So we went on tour with them. We've done a couple of shows with them. Um, and they completely are very pro and they kill it. And their ear for what we're doing was a really nice um, a compliment to the music. And then we also were lucky enough to have uh, Juan Alderetti um, from Mars Volta help us out on some bass effects, which is really cool on our song Checkmate that we have already put out. So. Excellent. But the Naughty Horns are on the track that we are uh, we have been granted the right to debut, which thank you so much for letting us do that. It's called Pitter Pattern, and it has, I, I imagine we're talking with you, because this track has uh, maybe more of a variety of keyboard textures than any song on the on the record. Would you say that? Definitely. Um, it's definitely one of them. Um, Pitter Pattern is a fun one. It's uh, it's one of those songs where it started out as like a, you know, it's like a Sibelius file. Sibelius is a music uh, notation program that we that we use to communicate and write music and send it to each other um and it took on its own life um and actually uh we had an idea from years years ago that i wrote um i got my credit card for the first time so i wrote this song called credit check and it just having to work in that we combined the two songs and put a pattern flowed very easily into the other one so we're like you know what let's just make this one big statement um and that's a lot of fun you know there's a lot i get to use uh, uh an acoustic piano which is something that isn't always that's something that i have available you know because you can't we're not fish we can't bring around a grand piano <laughs> <laughs> but it's clutch here because it kind of blends some organic feel to the to the to the proceedings exactly so it's a different sound palette and it it but it's not far from what we've done. I've used piano before, but in the context of a song like Pitter Pattern, it gets uh, that really has some power to it. It helps establish that rock feel, um, that kind of, you know, that strong rock band piano or like keys, drums, guitar, and bass that have that, that quintessential that ensemble sound. So that was really, really fun to record piano on the record on this song. And the horns just push it along beautifully. And then, you know, we get this gradual build to tension and then we're taken back to a whisper. And then you, that's where the grand keys come in. And, and you and Isaac and Charlie sort of set the table. And then Jalbert just comes in and plays this beautiful solo. And we're at the point here where the artificial intelligent, the artificial creature that we've, that you've created is quietly starting up in our world, right? That's the tension yeah, here. Yeah. Definitely, you can definitely say that. You know, where it is on the record, um, it's definitely been building at that point. Um, so it's it's definitely time to kind of emerge, I guess, <laughs> for the for the AI. But uh, yeah, you know, it's one thing that we really try to focus on when we bring guests in um, is to, especially in the mix, it's like, yes, they're featured, but at the same time, it's we're all on ensemble, so it's like we're, we're we're together. So you want everything to feel. Um, together in an ensemble. You know, one part isn't necessarily important than the other. It's how they fit together. It's the combination. You know, think about it as like, I don't know, you have a Thanksgiving dinner and you get like a piece of turkey and mashed potatoes and some collard greens and get everything together on like one spoonful. It's the perfect combination. You know, that's what we go for. You're speaking to Rob's heart. I know. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm actually hungry right now. Um, the best title, talking about the... Uh, 
CD in general, the best title I've heard on a CD in a while. Yeah. Recreational Outrage. Because there's a nice. lot of that going on in the world. I think your best live vehicle. Have you played Checkmate yet already live? We have not played Checkmate. Oh, that's... I can't. I can't wait to play Checkmate. You know what, Rob? I'll get the pleasure of hearing that on Jam Cruise this year. I'll bet you will. And I think the talk fans are going to love that one. I don't want to give too much away, but that is just a killer track that you could tell there are are spots where the band can stretch big time. Uh, You have a bunch of upcoming dates. It's talkband, T-A-U-K, band.com. Who's X-Mag? Who's who's this you're playing a bunch of shows with? So X-Mag, they're a, a trio... I believe they're out of Indianapolis. Some of them, they moved around to Brooklyn, um, but I'm pretty sure they're, they're out of the Midwest. But they're, they're really cool. Um, they are a little bit more electronic, but it's, uh, it's a drums, excuse me, it's uh, keys, uh, I believe guitar, and uh, they also have tracks that they play, I'm assuming through Ableton or some other program like that. But uh, they're able to combine like the electronic tracks with live music kind of similar to uh like grizz or grammatic or those kind of um those kind of musicians which is really nice and it's a different uh kind of a different group that we normally tour with so we're really looking forward to that to having them on um you guys could check out some of their new music videos that they put out recently but uh cool guys and cool music and i you know hopefully we'll be able to collab uh on tour it's definitely things that I would love to play on. So, and December twenty one. How did this the legendary Toads place? You have Nigel Hall playing with you guys, and you're opening for Kung Fu. Right. We uh, so we don't really get a chance to play Connecticut as much as we should. Um, but Kung Fu, uh, we've known them for a long time, and they do uh, an annual Toys for Tots showing, which is really really cool, really nice that. Uh, you know, um, using music as a force for good. And that's something that, that they both been, I believe. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to hop on with those guys. And, you know, it would be nice to do a little something before Christmas. Because normally around the holidays, we kind of take time off, like, especially for Thanksgiving. I do not miss Thanksgiving for nobody. Um, but uh, Christmas will be nice to give back at that point. And, uh, yeah, then we have a New Year's run that we're working on. Where's that? I uh, can't tell you quite yet, but uh, we didn't announce it. But we will soon announce it, and uh, it'll be on the East Coast. We're doing four days on the East Coast in a variety of places. So ah. I hope Boston's part of that. Go ahead, Seth. No, no, I was just clearing my throat. Oh, all right. All right, let's talk real quick about Talking McGee, and then we'll let you go. Cause Humphrey- ah, dude. It, 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 Humphreys McGee is a very good friend I of the show. Say, I was going to say, this is amazing. He beat 18 minutes. I was going to say that Rob, he was going to make it to 18 minutes without bringing it up, but he didn't. Do you guys get time to, to rehearse that at all, or is it just you you, who, you, you know, just throw them on stage and they go? And they go? We don't really get much time to rehearse. I think there's been one or two Talking McGee's where we've been in the same location, uh, meaning that either we were opening for them or we had a show close by. So we were able to go to their, uh, they have a little rehearsal place that they build or whatever venue that they're at and kind of go over you know, bare bones. But there's a lot of times that we really haven't. It's just really been in sound check or something like that or a line check. I, I know the last time we did it, at uh, Sweetwater 420 Fest. Yeah, we're at the Variety Playhouse. Um, we were both there. We were there, yeah. Yeah. We um, 
that we just did that on the fly. It was like, all right, guys, let's just learn the songs. I trust you. <laughs> you trust us. And let's have some fun. And that was one of the better talking with geese, I think, um, at Variety Playhouse. And it was just, the vibe is right. It's just about the song selection, you know? It's like, what songs are going to rock the hardest? You know, and I think that's what talking with geese is all about. Do you think you guys will dip into the talk or Humphrey's catalog? Because if I remember correctly, it was all cover, all stuff apart from what you do with your own bands. Yeah, we've done we've done a fair amount of Humphrey songs and talk songs. You know, we've done Mind Shift um, and uh, a few other Humphrey songs, but the covers seem to be be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, maybe this time we'll we'll figure out how to bring in a. Uh, a free song. I know I'd like to do like uh, what's it? Wappy Sprayberry. That'd be a Wappy Sprayberry. One. Yeah, or do Checkmate off the new. Or actually this. put them both together. Do a little uh, Checkmate Sprayberry. Yeah, there do you go. Do a little little hybrid or yeah. something like that. So now you know on Jam Cruise, you you both are on board, but there isn't a Talking McGee set, is there? Right, there isn't a Talking. But there is McGee, a jam room. There is a jam room, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I, I yeah. can't confirm it. But word on the street is that Isaac is doing one of the nights at the jam room. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so I trust that uh, we'll get something good going. Yeah, and and one other note on jam because I'm very much looking forward to the uh, coffee talk uh, that we're going to be doing. Um, for those listening, we're going to have talk, interview a couple different artists, and it's going to be more of a workshop and interview kind of setting. But it's going to be coffee talk. With uh, a full bar of coffee-made drinks, and and I can't talk with a member of Talk without talking more about Isaac. <laughs> I know I didn't mean to say Talk three times. Sorry, <laughs> but when I first saw you guys, you're opening for Humphreys, and and Isaac really jumps out at you at first, and then I got to hung, hang out with you on the bus and got to talk with him, and he is just such a great player and a great person. He he was my uh, welcome wagon to the world of Talk in a big way. I am a huge Isaac fan, and I see that he sings with Talking McGee, and I see that occasionally he sings with Talk. I think usually, if not always, a cover. And I know you guys are into the instrumental thing, but is there any possibility of original Talk originals with lyrics in the future? I mean, nothing's impossible, in my view, when it comes to music. You know, if it feels good, it feels good. But, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to have that flexibility. I think we've worked really hard to be a band that established ourselves as an instrumental band. Um, and I think, you know, the the people in the scene and who know us are still getting introduced to us. Um, there's enough music out there to identify us that way. But, you know, it's nice to be... The, the, the great thing about being an instrumental band is that you can be a chameleon and then right. you can add vocalists and you can add, like, a DJ... Like if DJ Logic wanted to do something like that, would be awesome. You know, you can add horns to it, but you're still talking. We're still us, and we can keep it fresh. And uh, you know, if Isaac wants to write some songs or write some lyrics, you know, check it out, give it a chance. But you know, we're open, open guys, and you know, as long as it feels good and makes us feel good, and we feel that we're being true and keeping to our musical integrity, man, why not? Hey, speaking of adding horns, do you have any in promotion of this record? Any chance of Naughty Horns being at any talk gigs? Uh, I wish. Hopefully, you know they're doing their thing. Um, you know, around this time, everyone and their mom is on the tour. When it comes to music, um, you know, touring musicians, we're actually stopping in Louisiana on this run, and they are not around, which is uh, a bummer. But uh, hopefully, because. 
they wrote killing arrangements and actually that's what we we did a few times and the last tour we met up with the guys from F- uh a minneapolis funk yeah band. yeah we met those guys and, at electric forest right? yeah very cool guys we interviewed them really cool guys really tight tight band and uh their horn players uh played the parts that the naughty horns wrote and that's what and that's what we would do we would take and send the, the parts that were arranged to different horn players uh, nick gerlach from um pretty like i think it's man of focus live band and he lives in denver uh, he's done that him and gabe from uh gabe mervine from the motet that's uh played the horns for us when we went to denver and so it's nice to kind of have what the naughty professor horns have established for us as far as the arrangements and be able to still give that show to um to the fans but it would be nice if uh you know the people who wrote it played those parts you know it's it just can feel different so they came up with the arrangements that you guys use. Is there a trial and error in that? Do they come forth with an idea and then you say, okay, we just need to do this or that? Or did they come with an arrangement and you just said, okay, good, let's go with it? We, uh, we gave them complete freedom to do what they want. So we said, guys, this is what we're thinking about. These are some of the areas that we're, you know, maybe taking solo here or we're looking for pads here. But we left, gave them complete artistic control to do whatever they want and then from there we took it and and uh morphed or you know adjusted what we thought should go you know what parts should go where to make sure that it complemented and fit the song but we didn't really have to do much um which is why we worked with them because they the way that they um look at music or interpret music is something that we felt on par with well, we're at that point, AC. You want to be a DJ, and you want to. Well, right, well, be- right before that, I want to just say uh, thanks to uh, your uh, manager there, Josh. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Karada, with Lucky yeah, Man jo- Management. Yeah, Josh Nakotra. Nakotra, that's it. Yeah, Lucky yeah. Man Management. He was super helpful in. Uh, yeah, he's on his game this together, and he's yeah, he's been great. So uh, thanks, Josh. We appreciate- it's nice when it works out, right? Yes, we appreciate people who are good at their jobs <laughs> very much. So, and we appreciate people who are podcast aware. We don't like the podcast ignorant types. They they're frustrating. But go ahead, put on your DJ shoes and introduce your track, brother. This is DJ AC from the one and only Talk Band, rep in New York City, and we're about to listen to Pitter Pattern, the freshest track off Shapeshifter Two, Outbreak. (laughs) 